there's only one snack that can make me feel like I'm having the true movie theater experience, and that's popcorn. When my mom and I hang in for a girl's night, we have to get our fix, and that's where Kelly's Killer Popcorn comes in. They're a small batch gourmet popcorn company, and believe me, one bite and you'll be hooked. Made in Austin, Texas, this family-owned business has tons of flavors. My mom loves their salted agave caramel, while I have a hard time picking between black pepper or dill pickle. Hmm, maybe I'll just mix the bags together. Oh, and when my dad and brother crash our girls' night, you know that spicy nacho popcorn is coming out. Every flavor is popped in 100% real butter and is whole grain and gluten-free. Which flavor will you be choosing? Head on over to kellyskillerpopcorn.com to indulge yourself in some scary good gourmet popcorn. And make sure to tag them on Instagram at kellyskillerpopcorn so that they can see what movie you're pairing with their flavors. That's kellyskillerpopcorn.com for American-made, small-batch, delicious popcorn. I might be vegetarian, but that doesn't mean I can't enjoy a good spice rub. My favorite place to get them is Smoked Bros, a veteran-owned and operated business that sells premium handcrafted dry rubs, spice blends, and seasonings. Guys, you can even put it on your popcorn. My favorites are Honey Badger, because he doesn't give a bleep, and Jelly and Peanut Flavor Topping, because mm, 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 some things just taste better together. The website even has recipes, so go check out smokedbros.com to support a veteran-owned and operated business and fill your cabinet with delicious flavor. On this episode of the Video Archives podcast, we continue on with part two of our memorial episode for Rick Dalton. Best known by fans for playing Jake Cahill on Bounty Law and Eddie Karpinski in the Fireman Trilogy, we move on to discussing Rick's straight-to-video era with three heavy hitters, Blast Fighter, Operation Nam, and Jungle Raiders. Then, Quentin continues his Q&A with Rick, shedding light on the career choices he made throughout his life and the values that the man held. My name is Gala Avery, and joining us now, here's Quentin Tarantino and Roger Avery. So our next film on the uh, Rick Dalton go-around, again, now these are different now. This is all post-Fireman. So Rick is now a big straight-to-home video action star, especially uh, with the Italian film industry and uh, with Cerro H. Santiago uh, in uh, the Philippines. But the Italian films are like, does like two movies with uh, Antonio Margariti, you know, who, uh, who directed him in uh, uh, Operation Dynamite. This is uh, Operation Nam, which is actually very interesting because <laughs> there's a close-to-homeness about the home video distributor. This is distributed by uh, Imperial Entertainment, which was the video company that when I finally left Video Archives, I started working for a video company called Imperial Entertainment. Yeah, the Shaw Brothers. Yeah, the Shaw Brothers, all right? Uh, the other Shaw Brothers. Yeah, the, 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 the younger Shaw Brothers. <laughs> SHA, all right? Uh, uh, <laughs> Uh, uh, Sunil, uh, Sundip, and Ash. Yeah. And uh, they had a really cool video company, and I worked for them for like two years. And basically at the end of the tenure, I was pretty much uh, was in the bookkeeping department working for Sundip, um, practically as his assistant, even though I wasn't given that title. Yeah, and you remember, I, w- I went to school with Ash Shaw. Yeah, and you and went to so school with Ash I was Shaw. like good friends with Ash. No, my mom was very proud of the fact that I was working in the accounting department of any place because my math was so bad <laughs> that the idea that I was working in the accounting department of any company was actually a disaster for the, should be a disaster for the company, but I ended up proving myself. No, when you went to Imperial, when you made yeah, that yeah. move, from yeah. archives to Imperial, that was a big deal. That was like a legit 
company, man. That was like that. Look, it, it was a big deal, and they wanted people with experience of how mom and pop video stores work. So finally, mm-hmm. it was like it was the one job that I was actually overqualified for because I actually knew exactly how video stores worked. Uh, I I wasn't afraid to get on the telephone with people. I had a big personality, and I understood the video business. And that's why I ended up doing uh, well in the accounting department because I was my job was uh, stock balancing. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so I called the stores all over to find out, where, you know, what do you uh, got? What do you need? What are you? What, what are you sending back? Yeah. <laughs> I watched all the A releases that came out from uh, Imperial Entertainment, and actually, the B releases were actually pretty good. I the A releases were pretty mediocre, except for two, both Italian. One was Operation Nam, which was a really good one, and the other one was the next one to come out would be uh, Demons Two. Right. With Lamberto Baba, who yeah. we'll get to in a second, because he did a, you want me to uh, read a Rick the, Dalton film. Yes, Do you want me to read the uh, the back of that? Yes, by all means. Of course, it's... <laughs> blue on Crazy, blue. like, blue on pink. <laughs> Ethan Wayne, hard-hitting son of John Wayne, stars with Donald Pleasance in this explosive saga of shame, the passion, the courage, and the violent savagery of Vietnam. America would rather forget the war. The men that gave their lives in that sweltering hellhole were lucky. Those that came back, the battle-hardened killers, are at best despised, at worst ignored. Four of those embittered Vietnam vets, haunted by the war and tormented by rumors of American POWs left to be tortured, mutilated, and murdered in Vietnamese prison camps, decide to fight their way back to Nam. Once there, they come face to face with a truth more grotesque than anything they've ever faced in battle. Total abandonment and denial by the country that they fought for and died for. Is that how it ends? That's how it ends. And no Rick Dalton mention. Fuck you There's guys. no Dalton mention here. <laughs> well, you know, what's, you know what's funny, actually? Yeah, there like, is a picture of him on the back of the box, mm-hmm. but it's like him with the other guys. But you mm-hmm. know what's funny is that when you go online... Ethan Wayne is fifth build now yeah, yeah. on like the uh, online uh, yeah, uh-huh. and Rick Dalton's number one. Oh, okay, yeah. They've got yeah. that British actor on the front holding the machine. Well, Cause, yeah, it, yeah. cause well, it's the big, uh, yeah, yeah, full yeah. metal jacket. Big moment. Yeah, the Oliver reveal. Tobias. Yeah. Who, Oliver Tobias. Who, who pretty much steals the show. Actually, He's, he's great in it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he looks like a leading man and yeah, yeah. he also has that kind of, well, and well, he's, well, he's the, he's the, he's the, the impersonal machine. You know, he, he has that, you know, he machine guns the Vietnamese with the same callousness that, uh, 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 Clint Eastwood machine guns the Nazis and, and where Eagles Dare. Yeah, I, I just want to say, I actually think that's a pretty well-written thing, except for the end, it just kind of peters out. Yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah. No, that was a good read. It's a little difficult to read because of the way the type is, My but God. it's actually pretty, like, um, Imperial did a pretty good job. With well, the, okay, but I think they're really... Uh, well, the movie's actually pretty political, so but they're leaning into the politics of it, even in, in, in their description, you know. By a government that despises them. <laughs> Forgotten by a government that hates them and despises yeah. them. And a population that thinks they're dirt. <laughs> Just, yeah, population that thinks they're baby killers. <laughs> yeah, that's well, that's kind that's of the, basically that's what, the rhetoric. That yeah, is, that's the kind of... That if the, I had been working at Imperial, uh, that if baby killer what, would have found that its would way. That would have found it in there. <laughs> Blast Fighter, the force of vengeance. They killed his wife, his daughter, his best friend. And they left him with two things, vengeance and the ultimate weapon. Not since first blood has revenge been so sweet. 
So now, okay, so we're going to talk about all three of these in one big go. We're talking about Operation Nam. Then the other film that we had is from uh, Lamberto Bava, working under his, a tribute to his dad's old pseudonym, John M. Old Jr., <laughs> which was, Mar- his, his father is the great Mario Bava, <laughs> and uh, his English pseudonym was John M. Old. Which is... Just as bad as John M. Old Jr. No, no, no. John as M. Old name. Jr. John M. Old Jr. wins. It's like John M. Old Jr. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> she, she's right. She's right. Okay, so the movie's called uh, Blast Fighter. And it pits, 1984. Yeah, in 1984. And it pits uh, Rick Dalton opposite George Eastman, who's sort of the Italian, who's a really good uh, Italian actor. He's sort of the Italian um, uh, William Smith. And it says, uh, Rick Dalton, 14 Fist of McCluskey, stars as Jake Tiger Sharp. <laughs> it, it, this sounds like Italian Roger, written all over Roger it. Roger thought for the first half of the movie that his name was Tiger Sharp. Well, well they keep playing Tiger, and then everybody's like, hey, Tiger Sharp, come here. Tiger Sharp, come here. It's like, is he Tiger Sharp? Full disclosure, I thought that as well. I, I'm not, I, I think it's funny. I'm not laughing at you guys. That was a funny thing to say. Uh, Dalton stars as Jake Tiger Sharp, a tough ex-New York cop just released after spending the last 10 years in prison for slaying his wife's killer. This thrilling action and adventure drama is the true story of a man faced with the torturous test of human will. Following his incarceration, Jake decides to start life anew and return to his boyhood home in the mountains. But even there, he has a hard time as the locals don't take kindly to the new loner. Quote, unquote. All Jake wants to do is forget his violent past and begin again. One day, a young girl appears at Jake's cabin. It's his daughter, Connie, who he hasn't seen since she was eight. After a soul-searching by both, they realize there is still a strong bond of love between them. But fate intervenes when the local toughs kidnap Connie after attempting to rape her. Jake rescues her, but in their effort to escape, Connie is shot and dies in her father's arms. That doesn't fucking happen. No, 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 that happens. It does. It's just they shouldn't be saying it. Because <laughs> so, she does die. She gets, sh- like, when he gets shot in the shoulder after they make the deal. Oh, well, yeah, but that's at the very, very end. Yeah, so they're, I mean, the, they're telling the whole story. They're, 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 making, it, they're, they're making it sound like it happens, like, in the first yeah. 40 minutes, and then the rest of it is him <laughs> getting get revenge. All the hatred, violence, and vengeance Jake once fought to suppress now cannot be denied. Tiger must have total revenge. They should have known not to mess with him. Now, the Blast Fighter is back. Okay, that was a terrible description in the last quarter of it. Of what is actually a great, energetic, fun film. And not only that, like, well, one, it, uh, they obviously shot it exactly where Deliverance was shot. Yes. And they get a tremendous amount of uh, visual possibilities out of it. Uh, Lamberto Bava does a great job shooting the film. But also... And this is what Rick is so good at. He's really, really, you know, he, he's such a cool Western archetype that it's very easy to make a modern day Western with him. You know, he really gets the modern day aspect of it across. And one of the things that's really cool about the movie is there's this whole aspect that is very similar to one of my favorite John Sturge's Westerns, which is Last Train from Gun Hill with uh, uh, Kurt Douglas and uh, Anthony Quinn. Because in this movie, what's going on is the local bad element is the shitty punk younger brother of George Eastman, who's like the the lo- local lumber baron. 
He's, yeah. a, he, he's, a, he's like Paul Newman in uh, uh, Sometimes yeah, the Great Notion. Like childhood friends with Rick. Yeah, he's childhood friends with Rick. They were buddies together when they were kids. And he's responsible for the guy's limp. Like, George Eastman has a limp yeah, uh-huh. uh, that's, that Rick they is responsible fight, for. Like yeah. when they were younger, yeah. yeah. And there was always like who was the toughest, who was the best, and everything. But they really respected each other. And he's the big man in town. Yeah. And uh, his brother's the bad element. They're just wantingly just killing animals like crazy, and they're selling them to. Uh, the, it's the... actually, I mean, there's nothing worse than a movie where they're just killing animals, right? However, uh-huh. the fact that they show that these guys, these assholes, these kind of like they're not hillbillies exactly. They look more like a bunch uh-huh. of frat guys that yeah, are going yeah, yeah, crazy yeah. Uh, in they, the they, woods. No, they they don't look like hillbillies. No, they look like frat guys. In fact. It's to Italians, fun. they might look like hillbillies. Okay, okay. The guy playing the younger brother of George Eastman, he definitely has a punchable face. So you you can enjoy him being a dick, but you wish he was a little bit better of an actor so yeah. he could like you could really hate him. But instead, he's just you know he, uh, 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 he's just he's just annoying. Well, the the, the moment where they they're like uh, their car is st- they've got like a pickup uh-huh. truck, yeah, and they've got like bears and pigs and deer of all different kinds, like and they gazelles want them, and, and everything. Some of them are still alive because they want. They're them all alive. still b- barely alive, and they're f- it's they're filling up the back yeah, yeah. of this thing, and they're putting one on the hood, and, and they're, they're like. Hey, we got a few minutes more. Let's go get another. Uh, yeah, exactly. They're taking the big buck that they just shot. They're tying it to the hood. All right. Well, there's still, a, there's still a bear in the back. I've never seen a more <laughs> grotesque yeah. version hey, we still got time of for poaching. One more. Yeah, one like, more. This, they're such grotesque no, poachers and they that want it's horrible. The, and they want them alive because they're selling it to a, 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 a Chinese herbalist. All right. And like, no, it's the suffering of the animal that makes the, the medicine the, work, the, the makes, <laughs> that makes the shark fin soup so tasty. <laughs> <laughs> and so Rick's Rick's character yeah. has So Rick's been, is like appalled by all this shit. Yeah, and he's been away for eight years. Yeah, like, yeah, he's yeah. been in, in prison. Jail, in jail, yeah. He's been in and jail. He, and he comes back and so he runs afoul of these young guys. And then uh uh his old buddy George Eastman is just like, Look, I'll have him stay away. We'll have him leave you alone. Okay. We'll we'll make it work. We'll make it work. But you know, if you make me choose between I don't want to. If you make me choose between you and my brother, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna choose my brother. Yeah, but George Eastman does such a bad job of keeping his brother away yeah, he does a terrible job. from Rick's character because it's like at every single turn, these guys are just like coming. No, he has at no control. Him. He has no control over his brother. No, he has it? zero control over his brother. And his brother does some really terrible, like over the top. Like it's not just like he's a jokester or a trickster. He is like criminal level no, offense well, should be well, in prison. Rick, Rick has a great line. Uh, and and I'm I'm gonna yeah, mess go it ahead, up. Go I'm ahead, gonna go mess ahead. it up, but it's basically like um Anybody who kills animals that much is just a step away from killing a man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the, and, well, that, and he uh, delivers it great. That's the old Dalai Lama line. He goes, "If you want to see how a country feels about its people, watch how they treat their animals." Yeah, and he comes back, and even though, like, hey, look, they're not going to bother you anymore, and you know, they're going to mm. leave you alone and everything. He's he's still frustrated because he's like, they're clearing out the forest. They're like yeah. killing everything, and then what ends and he's up just happening? Freaking out. He hates the the world he's entered into. They end up having a, a a violent confrontation between him and his daughter and, and uh, uh, George Eastman's brother and his stupid idiot. All right. <laughs> and the stupid idiots end up accidentally killing a couple of the friends yeah. of Rick's daughter. Yeah. And one of them played by- uh, Michael Suave. All yeah. Right. Of, uh, De La Morte, the, De La Morte. Yeah. And uh, Stage Fright and the church. So uh, uh, they end up uh, uh, killing these guys. So now they have to kill Rick and they have to kill his daughter or else they're going to uh, turn state's evidence. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll report yeah. him to the cops. So 
the setup is this, is that once they get into town, they'll be safe because they'll tell people what happened and that's it. Yeah, the sheriff will totally believe them. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing is, but they're they're far away from town. So they're uh so if they can track them down and kill them in the forest, they can stop all this from happening. And so they bring George Eastman into it and so he you know, he has a whole lumberyard full of workers there and so now everybody's combing the forest trying to kill Rick and his daughter before they get to town. That's a great fucking premise for a for a movie. Oh yeah. And, you know, uh, uh, some skimpy staging aside, they do a really good job with it. Well, as I was watching it, I I suddenly started realizing, oh, my God, this is like if Quentin were to produce Deliverance, this is what it would turn into. (laughs) Maybe, maybe. (laughs) It was actually shot in Clayton, Georgia. I looked Mm -hmm. it up. Both Mm -hmm. films are shot in uh, Clayton, Georgia. And so uh, after Deliverance, which was 1972, so it's a little bit bit later, Mm -hmm. these guys return and they're shooting in Clayton, Georgia. Basically, at all the exact same locations that are mm-hmm. in Deliverance, yeah. the river. Mm-hmm. They even hop into a canoe at one point and go down the river. Well, like we were like saying, in even the even the the his house that that uh, it's the same house. It's the same house. It looks like the same house. And, and, and Billy Redden, the the, the banjo kid, kid. The, the banjo kid yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, from yeah, there. Uh-huh. This uh, this is his second film. Mm-hmm. This is the movie. They dug that kid. They were like, hey. Find that banjo kid. We want him in it. And he makes an appearance in this. He's uh, also in uh, the Tim Burton movie, Big Fish. Yeah, but we, but we recognize him as soon as he showed oh, up. Oh, the minute it was there, I was like, yeah. okay, we're in we're in the world of Deliverance. Yeah. And I think you said, well, this is adjacent to yeah, Deliverance. Yeah, it's, it's adjacent to Deliverance. And it is. It's definitely adjacent to Deliverance. Deep inside the hidden rainforests of Malaysia lies the famed Ruby of Doom. Protected by savage tribal warriors, the stone has never been captured. But Duke Howard is ready for anything. Their search for the ruby wasn't easy. Getting out might be impossible. Trapped. Surrounded. Outnumbered. You don't think this is the end, do you? Their biggest adventure could be their last. You're right here, Zombie. Rick Dalton, Lee Van Cleef. The Jungle Raiders. The adventure of their lives and yours, Jungle Raiders. The third on our Italian exploitation, uh, straight to video uh, Rick timeline, is a. Raiders of the Lost. Well, first we started watching it thinking it was a Raiders of the Lost Ark uh, ripoff, and it sort of is. But as time went on, it became more obvious that it was uh, uh, more of a Romancing the Stone ripoff. Ripoff. All right. It's called Jungle Raiders, and it it has uh, uh, Rick and then also a special guest starring Lee Van Cleef in it. And it's uh, for Antonio Margariti, who we did a, a... uh, Operation Dynamite with uh, back in the day. I'm going to let uh, Gala <gasps> read the back of the box. I get to wow. read the back of the box. Woo! They sought a priceless ruby. They found the adventure of a lifetime. Deep in the heart of a steaming tropical rainforest lies hidden the legendary ruby of gloom. To behold its hypnotic brilliance, three men and a woman are willing to give their lives, and a sinister force is just as willing to take them. Put on your pith helmet and sharpen your machete because you're about to experience a cinematic adventure somewhere in the mysterious jungles of Malaysia. Rick Dalton stars as adventurer Duke Howard, also known as Captain Yankee, who is hired by beautiful museum curator Yanez, Marina Costa, 
to locate the famed ruby. The curse that surrounds the sacred gem seems to work its power as Duke and Yanez face hair-raising perils in the darkness of endless caverns and across an incredible lake of fire, pursued by the ruthless Borneo pirates. Hang on for a whirlwind journey of thrills and spills that would make Indiana Jones dizzy. Lee Van Cleef also stars in this story brimming with romance, sensational stunts, beautiful photography, and just the right touch of light-hearted humor. From its surprising opening sequence to the final explosive frames, Jungle Raiders brings back the good old days of edge-off-the-seat entertainment. Feels like I rubbed that back of the box. You know, I'm really <laughs> glad they mentioned the explosive opening sequence yeah, because that yeah. opening sequence is so good and, and such a great little twist to it. It's I don't want to give it away. No, but, I know. Yeah, no, you can't give you can't give that away. And it's, I also it's, just it's wanna, too good. I also it's, just want to mention this this box. Oh yeah, the MGM box with is it, fucking like, amazing. It, yeah, like, it looks Look like at this it's great box. The I yeah. didn't see this box the other day, and so wow. Yeah, I love these. It's like a beautiful. Like fold open the book boxes. Yeah, the well, book box. look all look all three from like all legit companies. It's got you a got, great logo. You got, you, you got the MGM UA box for Jungle Raiders. We've got the hard plastic uh, um, Parallel Entertainment box for Operation Nam. We've got the Vestron video box for Blast Fighter. Yeah, and they're using that kind of Raiders of the Lost Ark typeface yeah, for uh, their little. Uh, no, but logo. but Gala even pointed out something cool. It, it has the the. Like the the, the poster, rip. the poster, the the, oh, yeah, the fly posting poster, yeah, like, it's like in ripped. Spain or something. Like it's been rotting off the wall. <laughs> okay, so now here's a really interesting thing. One, I liked Rick in all three of the movies. I think Jungle Raiders was the best made mm-hmm. of the of the three. I think Blast Fighter was the most unique and had the most possibility of being a, like the strongest standalone movie. It's well done by. Lamberto Bava, but it's still lacking a little bit, but I still really, really like it. Having said all that, Operation Nam to me was the most hardest hitting of a, as a movie. Well, that from ending. beginning to end. Well, the ending is so good. That bleak, amazing ending. And yeah. it's not just one scene at the end, it's like the last 15 minutes. It's like, uh, yeah, it's every dramatic reveal of the yeah. last 15 minutes is just this bitter pill. With that incredible final shot. Yeah, yeah, this bitter, cynical pill that you're fed throughout the whole film. I think actually, like, the movie really picks up actually where it shows on the poster. Yeah. Like, that's, I think, the moment where you the movie kind of turns a little bit. Okay, but, you know, I would also go so far as to say that, look, having seen all three of the missing in action movies, having seen Uncommon Valor, having seen other ripoffs of that, uh, let's go back and bring the guys back kind of film. I like the first half of Operation Nam better than all of them put together. Mm-hmm. They all, uh, uh, there's a fun quality that they're all buddies and, and that they're all in different points of their lives. You know, the way it starts off, Rick is the rich one. He stayed in Vietnam. Have a, married a rich woman. He married he? a rich woman, and they have a big uh, import. Like she has like a bra company or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some kind of crazy company. Yeah, something, yeah, that, something for like- I Something hate, female that he would have nothing to do with naturally. Yeah, exactly. She created this company. And she ended up like a, owning Sears. Uh, yeah, know, basically. She started working there, and then she made enough money where she bought the entire yeah, building. Yeah, next thing you know, she was building factories. Yeah. <laughs> so- and so, so, so he's like the rich kept guy. Mm-hmm. All right. So he has all this money. And then another one of them kind of like lives on the street. Yeah. All right. That's the, John well, they're all Sada kind of character. shabby because they all come yeah. to the wedding of his daughter Yeah, yeah and they're uh, all hanging out and his daughter. And, and then Ethan Wayne like, is like a 
stud that just travels from town to town. Is, sleeps with women. Is kept by a woman until he's had enough. Yeah. And then, uh, uh, and then Oliver Tobias just pretends he's crazy. All right, so he doesn't have to pay taxes. And lives in a in an yeah, it's like free rent. I, yeah. I get free food. I don't have to pay taxes. <laughs> uh, and then they uh, all decide to go back to Vietnam and uh, uh, save these group of guys that they heard are still being held down there. And and this was like a real issue at this time when this was made. I mean, these this was well, this was talked about a lot. Yeah, you know? there, and there were some, and as a result of that, there were all these movies that were made yeah. suddenly about Vietnam vets that had not yet returned home. But they did, still a, but they did, a, they did a good job of making it like a more than better than I think Uncommon Valor did. They did a good job of making it like a a bunch of guys on a mission movie. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, they well, all they're all come together. Yeah. They're all very distinct. yeah, and there was something kind of fun about the idea that they're all buddies and they're like doing it again. And then, like, in the second half, the mission itself is just fucking crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and it's incredibly violent. You can't believe how shitty it goes. <laughs> yeah, it's just, yeah, everything goes wrong. <laughs> everything really goes. It gets good. super cynical as a result. Mm-hmm. And and kind of realistic, I think, in, in a way. Well, here's the thing. Like I said, like, Jungle Raiders is the better movie. Blast Fighter has the better premise. All three movies are directed pretty well. But Operation Nam is the one that I found myself thinking about more after the movie was over. You know, I'll I'll agree with that, but Jungle Raiders, aka Captain Yankee, has something that Operation Nam does not have. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's the snake. Oh, yeah, okay, it yeah. does have the snake. Yeah. It has the cobra. It has the cobra. Okay, you're also, right. I just really the cobra is amazing, and Cobra Kid, that little kid, the little kid with the, the cobra. Yeah. I love the snake story. It was really like unexpected uh-huh. and great. Yeah. Also, Blast Fighter and Jungle Raiders both have a character named Tiger. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Because the lead in Blast Fighter is Tiger, and then the lead villain. Oh my god! Is yeah, yeah. Tiger. And that guy's great. The lead villain is—he's <laughs> amazing. If anybody can give James Olsen a, a run for his money for best supporting actor, yeah, it's, it's Tiger, the villain, in, in Jungle Raiders. Yeah, yeah. Tiger is great. So those are like the two things uh-huh. that I don't think the other movies had because those were like like the fun spark. Well, like parts. I will look. I will also add a few things to it. Uh, um, As will I. Jungle Raiders obviously has the bigger budget. I mean, uh, Antonio Margariti has been doing a lot of movies by this point in time. And this is like a bigger budget one from him than I was expecting, frankly, to tell you the truth. And it 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 has a very impressive scale. And there's an impressive scale of uh, model work. The model work is fantastic. Oh my, it's so good. And the good. integration, yeah. all the car stunts. Yeah. I, almost, with I models. almost forgot no, about know, the like, model work because it's so good. Yeah, and actually, you know, his model work is not normally this good, and he was known for doing good models, but it doesn't usually bear a candle well, to, to insert a Honda. But this is some of his best model work I've ever seen. It really is some of his best work. It's like his trademark, this kind of integrating yeah, yeah, no, models. Yeah. With... But I've seen a lot of his model work. This is this is a, a especially high caliber yeah. for, for a Margariti movie. This is especially high caliber. And also, let's really talk like really quickly about the flamethrower in this, because yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rick did the fireman, and he did the fireman too, and then he's just about to do... Actually, the fireman three comes out the same year mm-hmm. as Jungle Raiders. Uh-huh. And there's a there's a flamethrower in this. There's a flamethrower but... in Jungle Raiders, yes. And no, and no, Rick doesn't. Yeah, use I was it. like, how could all the people who should be picking that that flamethrower? He's the one guy that in the entire use. movie who doesn't use the flamethrower. It suggests that they wrote in a flamethrower for Rick as well. That's your thing, and he go like, "No, nah, I'm tired of doing the flamethrower thing," you know. <laughs> 
And I think also, I think he might have had a priority thing about, like, he's not going to do the flamethrower unless it's for the fireman. Well, yeah, because the fireman's coming out, like, literally. That's his baby. That's his baby. That's his baby. Also, I I just want to say that uh, what I really liked about Rick in uh, in Jungle Raiders in particular, you see him playing it, like, like for comedy. No, yeah, yeah, no, he's he's great. It turns out he's great doing comedy. He's very, very funny. I think it's entirely possible that Rick really enjoyed this script. All right, because I think he gets a sense of humor in it. Yeah. I th- I got the impression that Rick actually liked Jungle Raiders. And you, you, it looks like he's having a good time making this movie. And there's one thing that fails for me in Jungle Raiders, mm. which also I have kind of the same issue in Blast Fighter a little bit. <laughs> uh, but like, okay, the love connection in Jungle Raiders, I'm sorry, it's terrible. There is zero. She's awful. She is awful. Marina she... Costa, I'm sorry, is not going to be my pick for best actress. And they She's have, terrible. They have zero chemistry, so much to the point where they have to use a snake love story to try to make you think like, oh, the two snakes are going away, just like but you they, guys. But that was, I loved that though. I loved the snake love story. Well, the snake love story at the end was pretty fucking great. No, the right? snake love story. Just when you think the snake arc is done. <laughs> all right. No, no. They know what they got a winner here. So, but then the little kid is like, oh, they're in love, just like you guys. And it's like, no, not just like them. Just the, leave the snakes out of it. So, okay, I would say, okay, be- I, like, I agree with you, but okay. And yes, Valerie Blake, the, who plays Rick's daughter in Blast Fighter, I don't care for her that much either. She's so drastically better than the girl in, in, in Jungle Raiders that she better. only, she only, she only uh, uh, rises by comparison. Now, Quentin, let me ask. Um, Valentina Forte, who plays... Connie, his daughter mm-hmm. in Blast Fighter, and Marina Costa, who plays his love interest in Jungle, Jungle Raiders. Raiders. Mm-hmm. They're both Italians. Yes. Uh-huh. And so, did Rick speak Italian? Does he speak Italian? Well, he's worked in Italy for many years, and he's been married to Francesca Capucci for over 30 years. So, I'm sure he knows a little bit of Italian. And by the way, we need to do a Francesca Capucci movie on one of these shows because she's fantastic. Rick probably speaks as much as Eli speaks. Eli Roth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As married speaks, to an Italian. Okay, yeah, and, and, and actually, Eli, and, can, Eli can figure and it all Eli out. Eli is yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty fluent. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's as fluent as he has to be. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like you when you have to settle a bill or like pay a taxi yeah, in another country. That's my thing. If I'm in a taxi in France, suddenly my French is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and look, we don't want to spoil it, but the opening 20 minutes of Jungle Raiders is one of the more enjoyable opening 20 yep. minutes of something that we've seen. You know, all right. And like, it, well, they also throw your expectations because it's a, you're watching it and you're like, wow, this is like Raiders, like, like they're doing a little Raiders thing. And yeah. then suddenly they one up Raiders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do. Yeah. And it's like, wow. Wow. Like and, they, they actually. And we can't say anything more without no, getting I, I don't away. want to say yeah, anything yeah, yeah, more. Yeah, yeah, I just yeah, want to yeah, say yeah, that yeah. it was like a it wow does, moment. It does kind of, I mean, that twist is good enough to be in the first movie. Yeah. But the one thing though about a lot of these tapes that we watch is that they have a really good opening like that. And mm. then they just like peter out and like mm-hmm. get worse as they go. Not, this not the movie, case with Operation not, Nam. It's not the case with Operation <laughs> Nam. And it's not the case with Jungle Raiders. And it's not the case with Blast Fighter. Now, yeah, we, Actually, I ended, all up, three I ended of these. up picking three really good, because I hadn't seen Jungle Raiders. That was, yeah. we had to experience that ourselves. But uh, yeah, I ended up picking three pretty goddamn good. Uh, they all have good, they all yeah. have good openings that yeah. like hook you. I think Jungle Raiders is the best of the openings, yeah. but none of them peter out. None of them get bad. I was actually surprised. And, and, I was expecting one of them to get and, kind of bad. And, and, frankly, well, and frankly, to tell you the truth, if you see a little bit of 
risability in what I'm saying is, you know, I'm I'm used to taking, you know, Antonio Margheriti a little bit for granted. Mm-hmm. All right. He's not in the same category as, as Corbucci. He's not the same category as Enzo G. Castrelli. This is one of the best directed movies, especially of the latter part of his career that he ever did. I mean, it's really, really well done. The action sequences look like they're done by a true old pro. Yeah. And in the best sense of the world, I mean, the, like, Flesher could have made this. Well, and also, they're they're um, really spending money. And that's like, a big compliment. <laughs> oh, it's a huge compliment. And they're doing things like they're showing a model of mm-hmm. a volcano and then panning over and doing a little bit of yeah, a seamless yeah. pan uh-huh. so yeah, you yeah, see yeah. Rick in the foreground. And then they go into that ca- the cavern of fire mm-hmm. and lava and everything. And it's done really well. It's done really, it's done really, really well. well. Yeah, it's yeah. Done, and I'm, I'm watching it, I'm thinking, oh, this has got to be like a pretty big budget. At least for Margariti, it's got to yeah, be a I guess, big budget. I, I guess the best way to say it is, it's, and I, I mean this in the best possible way, it's done well enough. Yeah. I'll but I mean that in the best possible well, yeah, way. Well, yeah, but you know, they make up for what they don't have in budget by doing things that were like even more Temple of Doom, like having that guy's head suddenly come yeah, yeah, yeah. tumbling down. Into, That's a really good moment. That's yeah. a really, really good moment. Like, and, and, and so they would throw those things in doing, I don't know, it just, it just took it to another level. Well, you level. made a point that you thought it was actually better than Romancing the Stone. Oh, I definitely think I, I think so as well. well. There's That's one a... thing I like in Romancing Sto- the Stone yeah. better than this uh-huh. is- Kathleen Turner. Yeah. Then, well, I mean, okay. Costa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah I, that's number one. It would be Kathleen Turner because I am in love, love with Kathleen, Kathleen Turner. Turner. Yeah, I mean, the introduction of Michael Douglas's character yeah, yeah. when he's like uh, defending her and he comes down with that shotgun yeah. and he's just kind of a figure hopping out of the jungle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like ducking and rolling and tumbling. Well, I love and, that and introduction. Captain Yankee is far closer to the Michael Douglas character in Romancing yes. the Stone than he is Indiana Jones. Oh yeah, no, he's exactly- he's He's exactly the yeah, he's exactly that. Character. But they pull in enough uh, enough haters uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. you know, of the Lost Ark to make it uh, fun. Also, Jungle Breeders has a great supporting cast. I mean, we've mentioned Lee Van Cleef, who, by the way, has that great opening like intro to himself, where he actually like uses his hat to hide himself. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. oh no, yeah, no, yeah. Lee Van Cleef, is... who's been around long enough, like knows. Oh, you're going to just start on a close-up of me? Well, hold it. Give me a hat. Somebody get, find me a hat. And you put a hat on him and he tilts it down so it's hiding his face and he tilts up. And then there were two- Like, that's a pro, man. Yeah. That's a pro. And there were two other standout actors. There's the guy that plays Fizz, mm-hmm. who actually shows up yeah. in yeah, Operation Yeah, Alan Collins. Nam. Alan Collins. He's in a lot of the Italian yeah, stuff. So yeah, he shows his, up. His, uh, yeah. real, uh, Luciano Pigozzi. Is uh, that his uh, yeah, that uh, Is that his real name that or is Alan sense. Collins his real name? I, well, Alan Collins is the name he goes by in all of his American movies, but- He's yeah. great in this. Yeah. And he's then fun also- He's, uh, he almost he, he, he comes close to oh, not stealing the show, but he's like a really strong supporting game, like a Ernest Borgnine character. Yeah, but he and Rick go really well together. They go great they, together. They're a great comedy team. They together. are a good comedy team. And then also the uh, the guy with the really high cheekbones, who's playing kind of like the leader of like the Malaysians who are like uh, pretending oh yeah the, with the, Rick. yeah the 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 yeah the uh, the guy you like the with guy the, that you the, like with the with the Elvis hair. Oh yeah, and yeah, the yeah, high yeah. Oh, I love that guy. The guy yeah. with the big. The gigantic hair. hair yeah the... he's like the leader of all the malaysians yeah are... <laughs> <laughs> yeah just walking around I like mean, he just like he's walking around he's like he's yul brenner he's, he's like, always <laughs> he's always a 10 all right he's never even at nine he's always at 10 <laughs> his storyline yeah, and then he'll kill somebody <laughs> <laughs> blam his storyline is so great though because he just wants to get rid of the white people yeah that's literally he's... his motivation is to get white people get off my island chain yeah that's literally what it is and he's goes for it he's awesome in the film. And, and when like his factory gets blown up he's like i don't care we'll build another one and then he like goes and he's like i'll get out of my island i'm gonna go build another factory yeah, he, okay, he doesn't okay, face that, him at all he's great it's that's uh, gonna be uh, between him and oliver tobias and, and james uh, olsen and james olsen that's a hard that's a hard that's one. a hard it's a hard choice for best supporting actor 
Want to know what your favorite writers, directors, actors, and photographers are secretly interested in? Check out The Gala Show, where each week a guest of my choosing brings an entirely new topic to the mic, and it can be anything they want to discuss. The catch? They only have 30 minutes. Join me, your reporter on the beat, Gala Avery, every Thursday for a new discussion on The Gala Show, available wherever you get your podcasts. And now I go to part three of the Q&A with uh, Rick Dalton. And then I ask him, because uh, he had he'd said something earlier, and he mentioned the incident with the hippies that happened in 69. Mm. So since he mentioned it, I brought it up. Look, so you mentioned what happened to your house with those intruders. So three hippies showed up tripping fucking balls to murder you? That's what they said. Why? Bummer trip? Who fucking knows? And you and a friend fought them off? Well, the friend was Cliff, my stunt double, and that World War II hero I'd mentioned. We didn't just fight him off. Fucking made mincemeat out of those weirdos. <laughs> Goddamn hippies should pick the wrong fucking house that night. <laughs> so you never learned why they chose your house? Nope. So now I want to bring up one of my favorite movies of yours. It's directed by one of my very favorite directors. Director of Django, Sergio Carbucci. The film was your first, it was the first of your spaghetti westerns, Nebraska Jim. And I gotta tell you, I fucking love Nebraska Jim. It's almost impossible to see the English language dub of that movie these days, but I saw it when it came out at the drive-in with my parents, and I still remember it. Well, it was definitely the best of my Italian movies. <laughs> By a lot, frankly. Well, frankly, I like all the Italian films you did in the 60s, and I also like the Lamberto Fava film you did in the 80s, Blast Fighter which was sort of like a modern-day reworking of John Sturge's uh, The Last Train to Gun Hill? Well, that one was by far the best of the ones I did in the 80s, though that isn't the highest bar. Okay, full disclosure, I also really dig Enzo G. Casarelli's Great White. Okay, now you're just taking the piss out of me. Nobody could like that movie. I like Italian exploitation flicks. They're not in a so-bad-they're-good kind of way, but well, let's talk about Carbucci. Well, the rest of Jim was definitely the class act of the first group of Italian movies I made. And Sergio, who I loved, was the class act of the directors. But before I got it, I almost lost it. I'm having dinner with Sergio and his wife, Nori. And I think he's Sergio Leone. So I'm congratulating him on the terrific performance he got out of Eastwood. <laughs> Ouch. How did that go over? It definitely wasn't my finest moment. But Nori, bless her heart, took me off the hook. She said, hey, all these Sergios, it's confusing. Then Carbucci laughs and says, hey, he's Sergio Fatso. I'm Sergio Nutsofatso. <laughs> but Sergio could tell I didn't really vibe with this whole Italian Western thing. I mean, what the fuck do I know? I grew up watching Hopalong Cassidy. But I told him, so what if I don't understand them? I'm not a film critic. I'm an actor. Let's go to playing cowboys. I told Sergio, put me on a horse, put a cowboy hat on my head, put a cool gun in my hand, and Sergio... You'll dig my Nebraska gym. And he responded to that? You bet he did. But what he really responded to was when I told him, Sergio, I don't have to like spaghetti westerns to be good in them. I don't even have to like acting to be good at it. I like westerns. I always have. When I was a little boy and I watched westerns, I wanted to be in those westerns. 
than I grew up and I was. I like riding horses. I like doing love scenes. I like fucking girls on the set. I like wearing cowboy hats, wearing cowboy clothes, shooting guns. I don't like reading scripts. I don't like learning lines. I don't like getting up in the morning. I don't like to have to spend all day on a set. And I don't necessarily like acting. In fact, I think it's an unmasculine way to make a living. It's a cunt's job, but I'm fucking good at it. And I proceeded to badmouth all the other guys he was considering. (laughs) 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 Who else was he considering? Well, he had met with three guys before me, Robert Fuller, Gary Lockwood, and Ty Harden. I told him, if you think Bob Fuller is going to do better than me, then cast him. Now, Bob's a great guy, but he's all voice. But if you're dubbing him into Italian, so what? Shit, his voice is 8% of his personality. Without his voice, what the fuck is he? He's just some fucking guy with black hair. Gary Lockwood? Did you see 2001? Fucking computer acted him off the screen. <laughs> Ty Harden? I told him, you know what we used to call Ty Harden on the lot? Hardly trying. Now, I don't normally do that. It's kind of a bastard thing to do. But Nebraska Jim was a bastard, and I thought Sergio would appreciate it. By the time we finished that sake bottle, I had the part. I'm proud to have worked with Sergio Gabucci, though at the time I had too much snot in my nose to appreciate it as I should have. Well, that's very nice to hear. Another film you did during that first group of European films was an Italian-Spanish co-production, Red Blood, Red Skin. And I think after Nebraska Jim and Tanner, that's my favorite of your westerns. Yeah, that film wasn't bad. And I dug working with Telly and Franny, his wife, Francesca Capucci. Had a good part in that, too. She looked hot as hell in that cute little buckskin number. But that film also brought an end to my European movie career for about 15 years. After that film, I knew I needed to go back home. What do you mean? As I said, I didn't get the whole idea of Italian or Spanish Westerns. But like Bill Whitney, when it came to Peckinpah, basically it was because I was an old dog and they were a new trick. Ultimately, my rejection of them was I didn't understand them. And I rejected what I couldn't comprehend. Now, I see my rejection was just a misunderstanding. Combined with xenophobia. But once I started making them, one thing I didn't like, and I was right about, was the way they treated the horses. Because they treated the horses like shit on all the Italian films I did. But the way they treated them in Spain, I couldn't abide. Do you know what a running W is? No. Well, it's a positive thing a director like you doesn't even know what a running W is. Part of the reason you don't know what it is is because they've been outlawed in America. So have you ever seen a film where a cowboy and Indian is riding at a full gallop and the horse gets shot out from under him and the horse goes ass over tea kettle into a fucking somersault? Yeah, sure. Do you know how they do that? Well, no, not really. Well, it should go without saying you can't train a horse to do that. You can practically train a lipazon to make you a cup of coffee, but you can't train it to do a fucking somersault. But if you're a prick motherfucking director who doesn't mind killing a horse to get a cool shot, you can make him do a somersault. You attach a metal cable to one of their front legs. Then you ride that horse hard and fast till the cable runs out. Then the horse's leg is yanked out from underneath it and it does a fucking cartwheel. And that, in the stunt business, is called a running W. Now, like I said, they've been outlawed in America since the late 60s. But for over 40 years, we used to do that in America. And Hollywood killed a lot of motherfucking horses just to make some Hoot Gibson odor. But America's not Europe. In Europe, they don't give a fuck about the human extras. Forget about the fucking animals. After I saw the seventh running W on Red Blood, Red Skin, and the fourth horse shot dead because they broke their leg, I said, fuck this fucking country and fuck this film industry. So endeth my European movie career.
for a while anyway. That's what stopped David Carradine's artistic relationship with Ingmar Bergman during The Serpent's Egg. At first, Bergman loved David and was planning all these things that they could do together. Then Bergman killed a horse to get a shot in the movie. And I'm not talking about what you call a running W situation where they risk killing the horse. They just outright murdered a horse for a shot. Fucking despicable. I mean, really. How morally bankrupt can you get to think your fucking so-called art is worth murdering a horse? That's what David Carradine told Bergman. Bergman tried selling him that. I'm doing it for artistic reasons, justification. Supposedly David screamed at him, what's more artistic than a live horse? Good for David. Motherfuck that Swedish prick. So your last film was the third Fireman movie. Then after that, you retired. Yeah, I'd been working for a while by that time. I had two hit TV shows, Bounty Law, and my Australian series, Dingo Dan. A couple of hit movies, McCluskey and Grizzly. That's right. And by the way, for people who don't know, until John Carpenter's Halloween, Grizzly was the highest grossing independent film of the 70s. That is true. Then I had a massive success with a film I directed and starred in called The Fireman. Genuine late-in-life success. And after doing 10 years of guest shots on other people's series, it made me an action film leading man again, especially in Italy and the Philippines. And I enjoyed doing those movies. But let's face it, I got old. Flying to Manila to do a Road Warriors ripoff, or Rome to do a Rambo ripoff, or Brazil to do a Raiders ripoff, at a certain point, lost its appeal. I want to fish, ride horses, watch TV, sleep late, not watch my weight, and irritate my wife. I mean, if I was trying to fuck the girls on the crew, maybe, but I've been a happily married man for the last 30 years. Forget that. Well, let's talk about The Fireman. In 1980, when it came out, I saw that the day it opened in Los Angeles. <laughs> a lot of people did. We had one of the biggest openings that weekend all across the country. We didn't open everywhere all at once, like they do now. Back then, Afghan Embassy would take the film and open it up in L.A. and New York and New Jersey. Then San Francisco and Oakland. Then Chicago and Detroit. Then just march their way through the U.S. Now, we figured if we were going to do any good at all, it would be in the big cities and with the blacks. But the big surprise for Avco and myself was how well the film did on the Southern driving circuit. We thought they might be too law and order oriented. But what we didn't account for was they got a hell of a lot of blocks in the South, too. And they go to movies, too. But also the subject of police brutality and the cops taking advantage of the poor resonated not just in New York, but everywhere. Well, let's talk about those five movies you did on your Canon picture contract. That was a damn good deal. They bought the rights for two sequels to The Fireman, which Cliff Booth directed, and three other films on their slate. A big budget film, at least for them, with Brooke Shields called Sahara, directed by Andy McLaughlin, which was amusing because in the late 60s and early 70s, all I ever wanted to do was an Andy McLaughlin picture. Him and Burt Kennedy were the only dudes left doing straight westerns. Then I couldn't get in the same room with him. But after all those years with that Brooke Shields picture, I finally made it. I joked with them, you know, instead of casting Andy Prine five fucking times, you got to cast me once. Forget about Glenn Colbert. I can't win a personality contest at Glenn's, Glenn fucking Colbert. Andy laughed and said, well, that's the least of the mistakes I made. <laughs> then they sent me to Peru to do a Raiders ripoff with Antonio Margariti, my second film with him, which was released on video as Jungle Raiders, which had Lee Van Cleef in it, but I was the lead in Italy. That's like starring in an American movie and Burt Lancaster is your guest star. And the last film I did on the contract was a guest star cameo as a crooked fight promoter in the Leon Isaac Kennedy's remake of Body and Soul. Which was fun, that movie. I liked it too. 
obviously it's no competition to the original, but it's a fun little picture in its own right. I agree. It's charming. It has a good pace. It's over before you know it. And by the time it's finished, you realize you've enjoyed yourself. Well, the director was an editor. Besides, Jane Kennedy was so fucking lovely, and she was Jim's girlfriend in The Fireman. I would have practically done anything for her. And her husband, Leon, was a good cat. I was happy to back up his bid for action star status. And frankly, being in the movie with Muhammad Ali was thrilling. So anywho, with the money I made on the original Fireman movie, and all the money I made on the foreign products I did afterwards, and the Canon contract, me and Francesca had a nice little bird's nest, finally. Also, because of my success with The Fireman, my guest star rate on television reached the top of the scale. So when I did Airwolf and The Fall Guy and Matt Houston, I was paid top dollar. In the 60s, that was the Robert Culp rate. In the 70s, that was the Darren McGavin rate. In the 80s, that was the David Carradine rate. By the end of my television career, after The Fireman, that was the Rick Dalton rate. Anyway, after I did the third Fireman movie, I thought it was a good time to wrap things up. The third one wasn't that great. Kind of ran it in the ground. But me and Cliff and Fred Williamson and Bill Smith had a fun time making it. I agree, the gas had kind of run out of the series by then. Also, the fireman taking on the CIA wasn't as much fun as him taking on the NYPD or the Texas cops. But the scene where Monty Markham and William Smith torture you is one of the best scenes in the series. I agree. The first sequel was the better movie. But that scene, the torture scene, is the best scene that Cliff ever directed. It was also one of the best scenes I did in the 80s. So after my canon contract was fulfilled, me and Franny decided we'd had enough money and it was time to take it easy. So we bought a nice place in Hawaii and pretty damn happy ever since. You go to autograph shows though, right? Yeah, but not so much for the money, though it doesn't hurt. But, you know, it's fun to catch up with old friends. David Carradine, Bruce Dern, James Drury, Fred Williamson, Joe Don. That's always fun. But meeting the fans, too. You see, you go to these things, and everybody's an old-timer. The stars, the fans, we have a bond built by time, by an investment of time. We spent years investing time making stuff, and they invested time watching it and remembering it. They appreciated the time we invested entertaining them, and we appreciated the time they invested watching it. When it comes to 40 years making movies and television, in some ways it's like you're making a deposit in the public consciousness by entertaining people. You do a good show that people remember fondly, you're making a deposit in public goodwill. And at these autograph shows, it's like I'm cashing in on that deposit. That goodwill. The way they talk to you. They tell you nice things about the past that they have you sign. The Bounty Law lunchbox is a big one. The Bounty Law board game. The Bounty Law comic book, the Bounty Law Mad Magazine, my TV guide covers, the 14th Fist and McCluskey soundtrack, the Comanche Uprising one sheet. Somebody showed up with a fucking Dingo Dan Viewmaster. I didn't even know they made a fucking Viewmaster of Dingo Dan. These shows allow me to make withdrawals on that goodwill one individual at a time. Last question. Would you ever act again? Maybe. If a certain somebody I know wanted me to play John Travolta's father. (laughs) And that is it for my Q&A with Rick Dalton, conducted in 1999 at the Hawaii International Film Festival. Okay, 
Are we going to do awards? We do. I just have one quick question. Shoot. One quick question. Um, So I noticed Sabatino Quifini credited on Nebraska Jim, and and I wasn't aware of him until Sonny and Jed. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so uh, I think there's a, there's a reason why I mm-hmm. like both films. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think it might be, but he's only like story by. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Is that normal for, in Italy? Because Corbucci oh. does a lot of writing himself. Well, he does a lot of writing. No, but there usually is an army. There okay, usually yeah, is an, army, an army, army on his. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so. Time uh, for awards. Time for awards. Okay, so I, I'm assuming Rick wins. Uh, Rick? <laughs> I don't know about no, that. Rick, Rick. Okay, but, okay, but, okay. That's a joke. Okay, but which one would he... Uh, yeah, that's that's really the question. Yeah, that, okay, that's the question. That's really the question, is which one is he winning for? Okay, well, can you... I mean, that's hard. Yeah, that's a tough... This I, is well, actually... That's almost, actually going to be tough. I can almost, like, I can almost predict... Uh, I'm almost copying what I think Gal is going to say. I mean, because, like, well, if you're talking about acting, I guess it would probably be yeah, Marshall of Madrid. In my opinion, okay, I think his best performance is Marshall of Madrid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think he gives a really compelling performance. You fall into the character with him. Because I think he does a really great job in all of these. I think Operation Nam might be my least favorite mm-hmm. of his performances mm-hmm. here. He plays a straight man in Manhunter. Mm-hmm. He's really fun in Jungle Raiders, but I, I think it's the Marshal of Madrid the Sam, for me. The, the Cade. It's a weird kind of uh, look. For, when it comes to acting performance, obviously it's Marshal of Madrid, but at the same time, the leading man quality in both Jungle Raiders and Blast Fighter is really, really strong. And, I mean, like and he's I doing comedy. Ima- he's I mean, also yeah. doing comedy in Jungle yeah. Raiders, and he's not doing comedy in Blast Fighter. He's being really strong, and I can't imagine the movie without him. No, he's like, a, he's like a he's no, like he's like boiling he, over. Yeah, in he's Blast legitimate. Fighter. He's like fucking Kurt Douglas. Yeah. All right, you know, in in Blast Fighter, um, which is who he's being from Last Turn in the Gun Hill. Uh, you, you can't imagine the the movie would be nothing without him. Yeah, it'd be nothing without him. Well, it's funny. I... <laughs> Manhunter was the movie that actually made me choke up. Yeah, 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 right. But on. I'm not so sure that it was Rick doing that to me. It was yeah. just really. I think it, it was, was a, it was a, the dictates of the role. Yeah, exactly. Um, the thing about um, uh, the Marshal of Madrid, <laughs> is, <laughs> the thing about the Marshal of Madrid is he's really carrying that whole thing, and he's yeah. not with Glenn Ford most yeah. of the time. It's all him. It's him and Leaf Garrett, and he's acting against a kid. Yeah, and he's making Leaf Garrett look. Fucking fantastic. Well, look, the answer is obviously the Marshall of Madrid. I think I'm going to pick Blast Fighter simply because I think that's the best Rick Dalton vehicle. I was about to say, even though as much as I love Marshall of Madrid. Sorry, I didn't mean to. No, 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 no. It's it's okay. It's it's just that he's so good in that Uh and he is great in it. But I just love Jungle Raiders. I I love that. I, I think he's really funny. I think it's just like he's having fun with it. He's selling it. Oh, I've also, got, look, I've got no problem with those I three roles Jungle. being the- I was going to say, this is like one case where I'm actually okay that we're disagreeing yeah, 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 yeah. on best performance. No, this happens every once in a while. And, and I, 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 like it when we have three, well, I like it when we have three lead lead guys, all right? Yeah. Uh, three lead actors, and they all kind of get their uh, their vote. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I'm not so sure I like him as much as some of the other guys in uh, Operation Nam. Yeah, yeah. But I love him in uh, Jungle Raiders. Well, okay, I will, and I love I will, him I in Blast for, Fighter. I will argue for Operation Nam for the idea that like he's the solid presence that holds the film together. He doesn't have the fireworks he's that the other guys. He's, he's not, not showboating. showboating. There's no showboating. No, he's the he's, he's the, the anchor. He's the commanding officer. Yeah. Well, that's that's like in Manhunter. It's like he's not showboating. He has yeah, to play yeah. the straight guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so uh, uh, best actress. Well. It's definitely not Maria Costa <laughs> or Valerie Blake. Uh, yeah, apologies to both of them. Uh, Linda Cristal in Lin- um, Marshall of Madrid. Marshall of Madrid. 
Even though uh, I don't think you could. Sophie Paris has so little to do. You can't call her a supporting actress, can you? She's a supporting actress. Yeah, yeah. I like how on the cover of the box, they've got a more recent version of Stephanie Powers than she was in the show. Like, she seems younger and trimmer in (laughs) in it. And then on the poster, they've got a kind of later stage Stephanie Powers. uh, Yeah. Well, if Stephanie Powers isn't isn't lead actress and there is not a lead actress for me well, no, it, it's the um uh but i don't want to vote for her who, <laughs> linda crystal it, it was who, um it, what was the latin actri- actress's name linda, linda crystal is that linda crystal yeah, yeah. uh, oh then i'm gonna go with linda crystal okay I, I think i think she does constitute lead because i think su- who who you mean the, stephanie uh, powers stephanie powers because the supporting lead actress would be the love interest that's yeah, yeah i would agree with, i would okay well then well then stephanie powers all the way okay but she doesn't have enough to do as far as i'm concerned that was like that's one of the biggest problems with manhunter one is i imagine one that script is a good script that could be a movie made tomorrow yeah right like absolutely a, a feature film at the movie theaters you just need better violent scenes when it comes out and you need more time with Frank and Anna Louise. Uh... Yeah. More, more Gary Lockwood. Yeah. Gary Lockwood, more Gary Lockwood, more Stephanie powers. Um... And, and definitely more James Olsen. Yeah. <laughs> I know he's actually, I think he's actually the right amount. Yeah, yeah. Actually. <laughs> the ingredients are perfect with him. The ingredients are, are, are perfect for him. Okay. So, okay. Uh, best actor, best actress. Uh, is there a supporting actress? Of the, well, yeah. The, the chick that shoots Ethan Wayne. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, actually, yeah, that's. And, I love that girl. I thought she was fantastic. Yeah, that's the, the uh, Full Metal Jacket. Moment. Yeah, yeah, the Full Metal and Jacket. And then also moment. the the sweetheart yeah. in um, Manhunter. And the sister who's the bad girl in uh, the Fury. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Actually, I like that sister. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like it. And, <laughs> and I love her in the Fury. And Margaret Markov, uh, White Mama from Black Mama, White oh, Mama, yeah. who is in the second half of the Marshall of Madrid. This was the best. The best scene in that whole movie was the Margaret Markov. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely, Margaret Markov wins best supporting actress for me. (laughs) You just love her because she's great. (laughs) I have a reason to love her. She's fantastic. I know. All right. Who uh, are you going to go for, Dad, for best supporting? I'm going to follow Quentin with Margaret. All right. She deserves Sorry, it. Sorry, Gala. No, no, no. I, because I'm going to go there, too. Oh. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We're all Margaret. in. Yeah. Maggie. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Best supporting actor. Okay. Well, now okay. it comes. Tougher, but uh, not tough for me. I'm going James Olsen all the way. Okay. <laughs> uh, James Olsen in Manhunter. <laughs> As second the fiddle, way. who just is just burning alive at the uh, at the indignities that are thrown at the him way constantly. he institutes his <laughs> his minions, minions. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's, he's great in this. Uh, look, uh, uh, Jin Fizz is really good. Uh, also. Jin Fizz is terrific he, in uh, Jungle Raiders. He's great. Uh, <laughs> and, and then, of course, uh, <laughs> well, uh, Tiger. Tiger uh, okay, I, our talking about Tiger almost moved me into the idea of him over uh, uh, James Olsen. <laughs> All right, oh, Tiger's just amazing. He's great. Okay, so with the caveat that Tiger is great, he would be my second choice. Even even when you have a movie with Gary Lockwood. And my my one of my favorite eras of Gary Lockwood, where he's kind of seedy, yeah, and he's a he's terrific in this role, yeah. James Olsen still fucking wins, yeah. He's he's terrific, he's terrific in it. Okay, I'm gonna throw out an award mm-hmm. for best child. 
because well, it's Snake Boy. Well, Snake we, Boy. But we have Snake Boy. We have Lee uh, Garrett. Garrett. Yeah. We have his daughter in Blast Fighter, uh, which I'm not no, really she sure she's, win. A... <laughs> no, she's not winning. <laughs> she's definitely not winning. <laughs> I'm gonna go with Snake Boy. And I and I I just want by s- comparison, I like her. I just I just want Snake Boy to get an award. Snake Boy's getting an award. <laughs> Cobra Boy. But only if it's given to the snake as well. Yeah, yeah, no, Cobra Boy. Okay. They go, it's a team effort. Yeah, but did you two. pick a best supporting actor? Oh, I agree with that. Okay, uh, okay. And by the way, uh, just so everybody J- knows. Say, say it out loud. James Olsen. Right? James Olsen wins the award. <laughs> and the thing about Snake Boy is this is like a little kid, and he's actually got a freaking Cobra. cobra in his basket. No, no, it does not look. He's kissing it. He's This like, does not look like they found a little boy and taught him how to interact with this cobra. They found a cobra boy. Yeah. <laughs> they found a cobra. This is this this is that cobra is that kid's fucking snake. And it's cobra, his livelihood, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the cobra is pivotal to not only the plot but the story. Yes, yeah. that, absolutely. That cobra is amazing. Yeah. I mean, it absolutely. And the, the 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 execution of the cobra is right up there with the execution of some of the hand shit in uh, Demonoid. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, best screenplay. Ooh. And that's actually kind of. They're all pretty good. Okay. Uh, yeah. For best screenplay, I'm going to go with Operation Nam because oh, I really? think uh-huh. the ending, like how it well, the ending subverts my expectations of what's going to happen, I think was like in a way, oh, that, in, in, Ra- a, in a in a mind blowing way, in, in a, a mind blowing way. way. And Jungle Raiders, it has that really fantastic opening, like 20 minutes. That was amazing. But I, I'm going to give it to Operation Nam. Okay. Despite my love for, Jungle I'm going to give it to Manhunter. I, I was going back and forth between Marshall of Madrid and Manhunter because Marshall of Madrid mm. has. Uh, I mean, a lot of it is dialogue between Rick and Leaf Garrett. Yeah. And so it's almost Leaf Garrett's, not, I mean, Leaf Garrett's doing a great job, but it's Rick. Yeah. Yeah. It's Rick. And, and he's, he's doing a great job. He's, and he's got all this great, yeah. like material to work with and he's elevating it. Mm. Having said that, I think I'm going to go with Manhunter just because I feel like it's so tight. Like you said, that script could easily just you know, add a little bit more money and a little more blood, a little more a blood, a little bit more, a little bit more Tommy Gun action. Yeah, a little bit more Tommy Gun, and I'm gonna go with Blast Fighter. I actually think Blast Fighter. I, I think Lombardo Bava does a good job with Blast Fighter, but I think I think they ran out of gas somewhere towards the end. But I don't think the script necessarily runs out of gas. Mm-hmm. I could almost put Blast Fighter in the same category as Manhunters. I could see a more legit version. Mm-hmm. Of the same material done. Yeah, take that exact same script. Frankly, you could take the script of any of like yeah, yeah, I think the script yeah. for Jungle Raiders is as good. I mean, I love Bob Gale. I love Bob Zemeckis. Mm-hmm. I think Jungle Raiders might be a better script than Romancing the Stone. It might be. Like a Jungle Raiders might 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 be. It might be. Um Okay, you know what? I'm I'm gonna change my mind. I'm 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 gonna go with Jungle Raiders because Jungle Raiders. Yeah, is... I just talked myself into Jungle Raiders. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, Jungle Raiders <laughs> is not what it could be. Jungle Raiders is what it is. Yeah, and yeah, I was expecting to be catty of seeing a this era Antonio Margarita film. I think it's one of the best movies he ever made. I oh, think yeah. it's really really well done, and the action scenes. I mean, he pulls them off to a fairly well. I mean, and I will point at his seams normally, but that's not the case here. Yeah. Best director. Best director. Okay, I'm I'm starting off. I'm going with Dick Donner. Big Dick Donner. Big Dick Donner. <laughs> Big Dick Donner. And for the Marshal of Madrid, I just think that uh, opening sequence is yeah. fantastic. Well, if we're talking about best scene, but that for sure it would be the opening scene of yeah. Marshal of Madrid. All right. Um, and also he's juggling Glenn Ford look, and Rick and Rick. I'm know. like really surprised because I wanted to pick a couple things that I hadn't seen. 
And so I hadn't really seen Operation Nam since I watched it in uh, Imperial Entertainment, but I remember liking it well enough. Uh, but I hadn't seen Jungle Raiders. So I'm really, really impressed with the four movies that we watch, five movies that we watched. Uh, 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 they're all pretty well directed. I think I'm going to go with Antonio Margariti. I'm, yeah. proud, I'm proud to go with Antonio I, Margariti. I got no problem with that because I think what Margariti does with blending the models and blending the action, I mean, it's his trademark. and. Yeah. Uh, and that it's a fun comedy, and that he's taking these other movies, uh, you know, Romancing the Stone and Raiders of the Lost Ark, and doing kind of a little bit of a mashup, and then yeah, yeah. his own original bullia base of I those mean, two films. I mean, the fact that it can be a Romancing the Stone ripoff and have such a terrible Kathleen Turner character. I mean, just like, it doesn't even count. Okay, she's so bad, it doesn't even count. She doesn't exist in my brain. Yeah, and it still works pretty much 100%. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to go with Margarita for all the reasons that Roger just mentioned. I know he's not picking the film, but well, I am. I, st so. I, I still love. I mean, I, I, I also the, am thinking, I know that everybody here is working under very tight budgetary constraints, but Donner is basically doing a TV episode. Yeah. And he's two just, TV episodes. Two TV. Well, but the one in the one with Rick. And it's it, a one. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. If we're, if we're honest, yeah. <laughs> though it's a movie, it's uh, two TV We episodes. watched both of them. We watched the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. And, and Donner did both. Yeah. And, and, and but I just think that he's uh, so deft with efficiency mm -hmm. and knocking it out and doing all sorts of great stuff and mm -hmm. also doing a really good little character piece and giving Rick a real good uh, juicy role to you know sink his teeth. Into. No, uh, I would definitely say the uh, okay. Make these statements and they're like slightly <laughs> contradicting him. I was just getting ready to say that like probably the the director that uh, serves Rick best is Richard Donner. Well, yes, yes, but it's a fucking Margarita Sursa, man. Yeah, and he does something that uh, 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 John M. Old Jr. Sursa, <laughs> <laughs> Larry Ludman. Best box. Oh, best box. Yes, this is important. And I'm just going to jump right in and ah, just say Jungle Raiders. Raiders. Right, no Raiders. question. Raiders. You no cannot question. beat a GMUA at but, the peak. But okay, here's my next question, though. Best transfer. Well, it's definitely not. <laughs> That's definitely not Marshall of Madrid. Yeah, Marshall of Madrid. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to guess Jungle Raiders. Because <laughs> it was MGM. All right. The, the Manhunter one was okay. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're all, they're all, okay. they I think they were all, jungle uh, Raiders. yeah, but I always say Jungle Raiders. I agree. Jungle Raiders. <laughs> okay, so best picture, Gala. Captain Yankee, duh. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to be thinking about Snake Cobra Boy and like Cobra Boy's story and also just like all the awesome miniatures and when they have that truck with the flamethrower mm -hmm. and they're driving through just like the destruction and tigers laugh and just, all the fun twists and yeah, exactly. I'm gonna have you having that like I close my eyes at night and I hear Quentin doing Tiger's laugh. Um, but I'm gonna have all the fun twists and turns in my head, and it was just a movie. And I think this is one that I would go back to and watch again. Yeah, I would watch Jungle Raiders again too. Um, I've been talking myself into Jungle Raiders for the last four awards. I'm going now back though to actually Operation Now. I think at the end when we watched all the movies, the one that held from beginning to end. That to me, that that stayed in my mind the most was Operation Nam as a movie because I just remember like, wow, that was a really good little combat picture, and and I it's liked how fucking cynical it was. And the last fifteen minutes is just like one bomb after another narratively is dropped. Yeah, it's a powerful film, and it definitely has more to say mm -hmm. than Jungle Raiders. 
you know. But that's not even against it. No, I don't mean that. Yeah, it, I don't yeah, mean yeah, that yeah, in a bad yeah. way. I just mean like. But it does have something to say. It's like a powerful film. It's got something to say. It's like. Yeah. Uh, and, and it says it. And it says it. Yeah. <laughs> it says a very Avery message. Too. Yeah. I have to say my expectations were so low on Jungle Raiders. Like just because I'm like, oh, God, it's Margariti. We're going to watch another one of these yeah. like thing. It's going to be just a bunch of slop thrown up on screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, here we go. And then I watch it. And I'm like, what? Hold on a sec. This is great. This is better than like uh, the big Hollywood movies that it's uh, ripping insp- off. That it's inspired by. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so. And it's lovingly inspired by them. Yes. And it's doing like, it's doing great things. And it's, and Rick is great in it. It's got Cobra Boy. He <laughs> doesn't pick up the flamethrower. And I kept saying, when is he going to pick up the flamethrower? Mm-hmm. And that almost became like a running joke. It became a joke. No, it. it was a joke. We kept, we kept talking about <laughs> yeah, it. So <laughs> I, I had a great time with it. I mean, all of these are great movies. I could easily also, to be perfectly honest, mm-hmm. talk myself into Blast Fighter because you know how much I love Deliverance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this gave me everything. No, it was, it was a loving tribute to Deliverance. It's an absolute, yeah. it's like, let's go climb inside the skin of deliverance and walk around a little no it, no, no <laughs> it's i mean like, it's like to such a degree it's like why didn't we think to just go to the same town that they shot deliverance and to do our own little thing it's great yeah, yeah and get all, <laughs> and shoot at the same locations with the same actor yeah, the same yeah, background yeah. actors so you're I'm going, choosing with, I, I'm going with jungle raiders even though actually was surprised how much i really liked blast fighter and operation nam mm-hmm. and they're all very you know um fun movies but yeah I just think Jungle Raiders was just such a surprise to me. That it was a surprise. And I just love all the model work. Like it has charm. It has it charm. Def- it and, definitely has. And that. it takes an Italian filmmaker to have a scene where the venomous snake that's killing all the vill- villains <laughs> slithers off in the end with the female snake. Yeah. And you have a, a fulfilling love story. Well, it's actually a very Will- <laughs> William Whitney moment because he's like very much goes off of the animals and they have their own little story. Well, then it's mm-hmm. well, let's call it a Rick Dalton moment. Then. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Last thing I will say is Operation Nam to me was also very charming in its cynicalness. <laughs> yeah. That ending is just super yeah. powerful. And also I just want to give a shout out to Manhunter because it actually made me want to watch the TV show. Yeah, it makes me want to watch the TV show too. Yeah. Good, good luck. Speaking of the <laughs> ending of Operation Nam, I'm just a little curious. Do you think that that um, dark ending was added? Like, do you, have you ever seen the original script for it? No, but like, I was, do you think Rick signed on for a movie that has basically a happy ending, and then they added that well, little? Well, no, his part wouldn't be a happy ending, but there's a coda attached to the actual end. Yeah, that is even more cynical than what than the way it the script probably it, it ended. It took it on even it. darker. Yeah, it took, it took it. It took it to an even darker place than I think the final page of the script was. Okay, that's. It, yeah. I think I think it ends with him in the helicopter being all disillusioned. Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, and proving to himself that no, he doesn't have it. And then they double down and in then the they editing du- room. And then they double down on it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, that was, I think, um, that ended up being a really good uh, uh, Rick Dalton tribute episode. I want to thank both Gala and Roger for joining me in this endeavor. This was a lot of fun watching this. It was great thinking about my old pal and uh, reading my Q&A. Okay, so that brings us to the end of this episode. Uh, I'm Quentin Tarantino. I'm Roger Avery. And I'm Gala Avery. And we'll see you next time on the Video Archives Podcast. Rest in peace, Rickenthal. The Video Archives Podcast is hosted by Quentin Tarantino and Roger Avery and produced by Josh Richmond and Gala Avery with executive producers Colin Anderson and Natalie Mualem. Our engineers are Alex Gonzalez and Casey Holford. 
Find out more about the show and get Video Archives merch at videoarchivespodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter at Video Archives and on Instagram at Video Archives Pod. Despite me sharing the same last name with this charity, I don't have any affiliation with it, besides the fact the issue is very near and dear to my heart. Did you know that in the United States, 2.7 million children currently have a parent in prison, and it's estimated that 10 million children have experienced parental incarceration at some point in their lives? I was one of these kids, and as an adult, I am really grateful to be able to give back to Project Avery. Their mission is to build leadership from within by supporting community through programs such as mentoring and outdoor education, and also to remove the stigma surrounding having a parent that's incarcerated. You don't have to feel alone. If you know a kid who could use these resources or would like to donate money or time to the charity, please go to Project Avery, that's A-V-A-R-Y dot org, to check out what this amazing charity is all about. Again, that's projectavery.org. Thank you guys from the bottom of my heart. Want to know what your favorite writers, directors, actors, and photographers are secretly interested in? Check out The Gala Show, where each week a guest of my choosing brings an entirely new topic to the mic, and it can be anything they want to discuss. The catch? They only have 30 minutes. Join me, your reporter on the beat, Gala Avery, every Thursday for a new discussion on The Gala Show, available wherever you get your podcasts. (laughs) 